Thank you for listening to Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body. This is episode 36, Elena Newell, Leading with Grace and Joy, recorded November 9th, 2020. Screaming about irrevocability Let's burn some bridges, earn some stitches And fight our own way free Cause the rules don't lie but they don't apply to people like you and me Let's start it up now 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 Now they say it's all decided, all divided, all laid out and the pushcart man with a three-part plan can't understand what you're shouting about. But when the past they plow, the lives aloud are the only roads you can see. Just remember who walls were built to fall for old people like you and me. Let's start it up now. 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 Hey, hey, TA community. Thanks for listening and thanks for being a part of our global community. Help us spread the word about the podcast and tell a friend or a colleague to subscribe to SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or any podcast player. Also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Hey, did you know that we have a pod shop? For this holiday season, there's a 10% discount at the Teaching RSG pod shop. Go to teachingrsg.org slash pod shop and Check it out. There's tees, there's crew neck tees, there's V-neck tees, there's long sleeve tees. Or you might like a tank top or a cozy hoodie. There's also mugs and tote bags. Prices range from $14 to $36. Enter the promo code LOVE2020 to get 10% off between now and the end of 2020. So speaking of 2020, yeah, this year has been uh, shall we say funky? Let's let's go with that. I've also heard people refer to 2020 like a person um, and not, not the best person. Um, and it's no wonder, you know, uh, there's been many things to sort of bring this global community, uh, the, meaning literally the globe together. And um, COVID-19 has has created some um some space for us to, to know that we as a human as humans um uh are fallible unfortunately uh some countries <laughs> have politicized um how we deal with this pandemic um in the u.s for example we are incredibly divided and in the midst of this pandemic um, massive uh, unemployment and a host of other racial uh, 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 upheaval reckoning that is happening. We had an election and uh, this election uh, has brought us many firsts. Um, first, uh, so Biden, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris have been elected to be the next president and vice president of the United States. And uh Let's see. The election itself broke many voting records. Um, about 67 percent of eligible voters sent in their ballots or went in um, either in early voting or on Election Day itself. And it was the highest in 120 years. Um, however, you know, you may be uh, in a space or a country or a place in the region where like voting at 100 percent is more like it. And that's just I don't know. We need to work on that. But in order to get to those levels, there was a huge grassroots effort to increase voter registration um, from folks like Stacey Abrams and her incredible force um, or crew of folks um, registering over 800,000 people in the state of Georgia. And there are a lot of other indigenous organizations and other organizations that are working to increase registration and really pushing um, and encouraging folks to vote, especially those from traditionally uh, oppressed and disenfranchised populations like black, indigenous and people of color. 
um, and working towards um, combating voter suppression, which sometimes is, um, you know, quite legal, especially um, after some uh, voter protection uh, rights have, have been uh, sort of dismantled from a particular bill. Uh, what other first can I tie point out? Oh, Biden. Biden is the oldest person to be elected into office. Oh, and also my Mamala Kamala is the first woman to hold the office of vice president. But as she says, she won't be the last. Uh, she is also the first black woman and the first South Asian woman to be vice president. This is huge. Oh, also she's the first person from an HBCU, which is a historically black college or university to be a part of the White House administration, not uh, in that, in those positions, either president or vice president. This is a new day, y'all, a new day. Um, so while the election results, uh, uh, are, you know, leaning towards a favor that I hoped for. Um, the election results were actually pretty close. Um, and there's still some controversy around how the current president, lame duck president, um, and the, the, uh, Republicans are handling, um, this like children and frankly are putting our, what was a very secure election, uh, cycle, putting us into a little bit of a, of, of a dangerous space, um, in terms of not, um, one acknowledging this win and two, actually like the transfer of power needs to happen, um, peacefully. So, you know, here's what I'm thinking is that I am encouraged by this, uh, win, but I am also trying to, to remain real about the road ahead in terms of, working towards racial justice and true liberation for um, all of our citizens um, and supporting the, the, the literal idea of radically loving black people and, and working towards understanding and dismantling white supremacy, um, understanding what anti-blackness is and um, working towards anti-racism Um, being enshrined by this country, which is a long, long road. But hopefully, uh, at least for the next four years, it will be slightly, uh, the road won't be as as bumpy, potentially, because of the government that is going to be transitioning in. So speaking of racial justice and true liberation, um, I've talked about it before. We Can't Go Back is a, a, a video series that uh, is a part of Teaching Artistry uh, with Courtney J. Body, and it's on YouTube. So if you haven't, hey, why don't you go to the YouTube channel and subscribe, right? Also, there are a lot of episodes there that are not on the audio po- uh, platform. So I just want to remind you that we had uh, a uh, video series that we launched with um, uh, within from April to June and it was called keep making art. And that was with guests who were create, uh, discussing their creative projects, uh, during the pandemic. And then this latest, um, series, we can't go back. Uh, this is actually a series, uh, where I'm talking to artivists, creatives, uh, leaders, and I'm working towards really amplifying, um, black voices specifically, but really anybody who's working towards anti-racism, um, embedding re- anti- anti-racism practices into the arts and arts education field. And both series uh, have been produced in partnership with Creative Generation. So as I said, get over there, watch and subscribe today. Um, and then this podcast, I'm sorry, this episode is a crossover. Uh, we've had friends of the podcast before and, uh, I, we had a podcast friend who joined us on, uh, we can't go back. So I want to introduce fourth wall podcast. This is hosted by Elena Newell. She is a musical theater major at Western California, oh, Western Carolina university. And, uh, they launched a podcast earlier this year at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, and, and Elena, uh, is 
chatting with guests uh, specifically about um, looking at racial bias within the field of theater, the theater industry. And so I interviewed her on the video series. We can't go back. So you can watch the full series, uh, full episode there, or you can listen to it here. Um, I got to say, Elena is such a delight full of positive energy, full of realness, and she is using her platform to uplift and amplify voices within the university sector, but also uh, more largely in the field. So in this episode, we discuss her experience as a Black cisgendered woman in uh, a theater university space, why she started the uh, Fourth Wall podcast, and and what she has learned and what she hopes for uh, in terms of a racially just future. Um, and so you should also check out, cause she interviewed me. She turned the tables. She interviewed me. And that episode is on her podcast, fourth wall, which you can find on Apple podcasts. So here is episode 36, Elena Newell leading with grace and joy. Hello. Welcome to teaching RSU with Courtney J body. That's me. This is a podcast that celebrates artists and advocates for community engagement. And this is We Can't Go Back, a video series in partnership with Creative Generation meant to examine, interrogate, and confront racist policies and systems in the arts. This series amplifies leaders in arts and culture who drive radical change in communities through anti-racist and liberatory practices. Subscribe to the Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body YouTube channel and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I live in Brooklyn on the ancestral lands of the Muncie, Lenape, and Canarsie nations. And I am thankful for the land and the water that I have the privilege to live on and work on that have been stewarded by these indigenous nations and many more. And I identify as a black cisgendered woman, pronouns she, her, and I am uplifting and paying respects, uh, respect to my ancestors who have been stolen from their native lands across the African diaspora and forced into enslavement and oppression throughout the U.S. I am also breathing in healing vibes, big, huge healing vibes, as we know, uh, change has, is happening, but much more needs to happen. And so I want to continue to uplift all black women in this country for their excellence, hardships, pain, triumph, resistance, resilience, and joy in the midst of racial trauma. So let's get to, uh, our guest for, uh, this particular episode um, a queen unto herself, Elena Newell. Hi, Elena. Hello. Hi. I love that. Yes, black women. You guys are great. All we do is good. Uh, yeah, we're we're into it. We're all about uh, amplifying and believing black women, amplifying their voices, amplifying uh, what they have to say because it's truth, it's love, it's real. So yes. I, I can't wait for us to get into it. Um, so thank you yes. so much for joining me. Of course. Thank you for having me. I love this. <laughs> so I am um, really thrilled because we've just recently met, but already we're in community and we're doing um, a, 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 a two part series the, or a series within the series um, <laughs> between you, uh, your, you and I. Um, well, so together we are going to learn more about, uh, our respective work, but also the fact that we're both podcast hosts. So we're going to learn more about the work that we're pursuing with our different platforms. Um, and so I think what's very, very exciting is the fact that we're both asking similar questions around racial justice, decolonizing the arts industry and repairing harms from uh, predominantly white institutions. So let's get into you. What is your role in the arts? And tell us about Fourth Wall Podcast. Um, What made you want to start this podcast? Yeah, so hey guys, I'm Elena. Pronouns she, her. I'm a cis black woman. I'm 21 years old. I am an actor, a singer. Um, I will not claim dancer. I would never do that to myself. 
um, a director, writer, podcast host. I am finishing up my senior year at Western Carolina University. I'm getting a BFA in musical theater, um, which is crazy during a pandemic that I am majoring in something that can't be done right now. <laughs> but you know, we live. Um, what else do I do? That's kind of it. I'm a activist, artist, artivist, someone called that. Somebody's coined that term before. Um, and yeah, Fourth Wall, I'm also the founder slash creator of Fourth Wall. Me and my friend Gail founded it together. Um, it came during our first hit of Corona, so right around March, April. Um, we both really wanted to start a podcast. We just didn't know how or in what uh, capacity. We were working with um, the department head of one of our programs at our school, and uh, she's developing her own company. And so we were like, oh, we can make a podcast for the company, something like that. But in my head, I was like, no, I want something that like I have autonomy over, that I have control over. Um, and it just never felt like the right time. And what was the exact moment? I think it was like right when George Floyd was killed. Um, I remember being very frustrated because our school and the people I was working with in my department were sending me emails asking me to do things like type up this draft for this grant proposal we're thinking about or make sure you're looking at this monologue, but no one was reaching out to our black students to say, hi, this is a terrible time. We're here for you. We feel for you. No one was taking those things into account. And I started to think about all the times that um, so much was happening in real life and I was forced to try to focus on things that I didn't think would matter at the time. I was thinking about Shakespeare or Chekhov or something when I wanted to think about the people who look just like me who are getting murdered at a disproportionate rate. Um, and I was like ranting about this to my friend Gail, who is a white woman. And she was like, oh, we should like, should we like do this? Because we wanted to do artists talking to artists. And we were like, well, what if we specify it and we say, artists talking about discrimination and bias in the industry because that's something that people are saying oh it's bad everywhere but in theater specifically it's so easy for people to be like oh we love everyone here but that's not actually the case um because that's the thing about systemic racism like it's everywhere it's not just in one specific industry um and so we're like okay let's try to create something where we expose that and we talk to people from all sides of the situation we talk to specifically black people dealing with it, to people of different races, to white allies, to white people who weren't allies before that now claim ally and why they made those changes. And we just went for it. We like found people that we kind of already knew of that had relatively big platforms and just like texted them or like emailed them and we're like, hi, we know you're doing nothing because pandemic. So like just hop on Zoom for an hour. <laughs> and like most of them were like, okay. Um, and so now we've had this like really special baby that is like growing every day. Wow. I didn't realize it was so such a young baby. Um, I, I somehow I thought it was I don't know why I thought it had been around for a long time. I also frankly didn't realize that you were still in, in university. So uh, yeah. go on with your bad self. Like, come on. Oh. Get it. Oh. I, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and, and yet like, you know, there's some commonality here because while my podcast has been around for a long time, I, uh, uh, only recently ventured into during the pandemic actually ventured into the video sphere, uh, mm -hmm. with the, a, a variety of, of series. So let's, let's talk about it. How, how many episodes, um, have you had so far? Okay. So 17 that have been released. Yes, there have been 17 episodes that we have released because usually it's once a week. Um, and there's like two weeks we didn't do it within there, but we launched in June and we've done one every week since then, except for like two weeks. That's amazing. How, congratulations. Um, yeah, yeah, get it. Um, okay, so let's talk about what are you learning? Um, let me let me find my question. Sorry. What? Uh, <laughs> what? Yeah. Okay. So I ask this uh, very often about uh, of my guests about concrete actions. So what have you learned in those seventeen? Um, and you know, obviously, you don't have to go one by one. But um, what have you learned or about or what concrete actions have you heard about from your guests that arts institutions are striving uh, to do in terms of? being fiercely anti-racist and or doing yeah. or sorry undoing undoing harm 
or repairing harm, really. Undoing and repairing. Um, what, you know, what are you hearing? <laughs> Let me stop trying to ask this <laughs> um, question. <laughs> I think one of the biggest things that I've taken that is an actionable step is putting um, BIPOC, putting black artists, I'm going to say black just because that's my specific experience, um, putting black artists in the room where you want to enact that change. Um, I was just having a discussion with someone else saying that like, no matter how many degrees a white person has, they'll never have the experience of being black. And so because of that, they'll never know more than a black person on what it means to be black and how it feels to be black in an extremely white space. And in order to enact that change, they need someone who's come from that place. Cause you, you know, you do what you know, um, at some point, if they've only ever been around someone that looks like them, how could they know how black people feel about these specific situations? Um, we had an episode where we talked to two deans of two fine arts programs, uh, Harvey Young, Dr. Harvey Young, who is a black dean at Boston University, and Dr. George Brown, who is a white dean at Western Carolina University. Um, and our George, the white dean, was saying like a lot of things about like, well, sometimes students don't understand where they're coming. Like, they don't understand what, like, the logistics and the background, and they have to get past that. Um, and then Harvey was like, yes, however, we still have to empower those students because if we don't empower them, we don't make them feel like they're welcome there, how would we ever rectify any of the situations that are going on in our industry? Um, if you, like, talking about, like, how can we bring in more black students? How can we retain these students? If you don't treat the students you have well now, why would they reach out to anyone to come in later? Um, and it's something about hearing it from someone on your level. I'm not saying that he didn't respect us because we're younger than him or something, but like hearing someone on his exact same level, explaining to him that because he was a black man, that he understood that if he's not in a place where he felt welcome, there was no way for true collaboration to happen. Um, and so it's all about lifting up black voices and just giving them the space. Um, even talking to this uh, Renee Rapp, she's like famous on Broadway. Um, she's a white woman. And she's talking about how she uses her platform not to just speak up, but to directly give that space to other black artists. Um, and that's like, instead of promoting her classes, she's promoting black artist classes. Cause she's like, if you can learn from me, you can learn from them. Um, and like actively giving a voice, not just talking about their issues, but giving them the stand to talk about their own issues has been like the thing I've learned most about what people can do to start these conversations. Um, but I think it's also to lead with grace um, because you're not, no one's gonna dismantle racism in a day or in a one week workshop. And no one, even if you're like a white person and you feel really intimidated by it, you've been taught your whole life that you're in the right and that you should have authority and that you have supremacy. It's literally been ingrained into your education since you were born. You can't unlearn that in a week. You can't undo 20 plus years of brainwashing in a way um, by reading one book, you know? And it's okay. And there's gonna be a lot of different pitfalls. It's not like you climb a mountain and you're at the top of the mountain and you're like, oh great, I'm done. It's like. No, you finish one mountain and then you realize you're just at a ledge and you have to keep climbing and keep climbing and it doesn't end and you just have to know that and you can't jump into it and say you want to do it expecting there to be some like end result, expecting there to be a deadline where this can all stop because it doesn't stop, which is okay. You have to give yourself grace. You have to know you'll never have it right. You'll never have it perfect. None of us will, but um, still preparing for the marathon and not like the sprint you know yeah <laughs> I do know I do know <laughs> I, <laughs> um yeah I was just thinking about um my own my own college experience and how I actually have to go back and think through certain moments where like there are certain moments where you're like that is that was blatantly racist but then there are yeah. other moments where you're like I didn't look at it like that but oh 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 you know, so there, there are, are the idea of belonging, especially in theater, I think is such, it, it, it is how I think of it, but it, it wasn't the way that way necessarily in, like you had to prove yourself at every given turn, mm -hmm. as opposed to being cultivated for growth, which right. was, which, you know, unless you know any better, 
you just think, oh, this is this is the status quo. But like I heard this a wonderful metaphor today and I, I loved your mountain climbing metaphor, B- BT dubs. <laughs> I love it because the idea of not being able to, but the, um, the picture in airport, uh, and those people movers and how we're all just sort of on the people mover and people, you know, people are moving at different p- paces, but we're all going in the same direction, but that all is the status quo. Mm-hmm. And in order to change the status quo, you have to like turn around and go, go the other way mm-hmm. and, and slow down the pacing of that people mover. Um, right. And so that, you know, the idea of a training being able to do that, it's, that's not it. That's not, right. that's one way to start a slow down, but that's not going to stop it and say, okay, this is now we're done. <laughs> Um, and, and so there's a lot of work that not only I think our white identifying peers need to, to, to do, I think all, we all do because we're all indoctrinated, um, Mm -hmm. with this idea that whiteness, um, Sonia Renee Taylor, who is my goddess, um, she talks about is, um, uh, the white supremacist delusion, um, and how we're all indoctrinated in that. And even somebody like her who literally talks about this and has studied this and has written books about this was saying that, you know, she's, she bought a Porsche and she showed that Porsche. And then somebody like tried to shame her, a white person tried to shame her. And her initial reaction was to go into defense mode and sort of say like why she earned it. And she was like, Oh, I need to examine that in myself. Like that's what this, that's part of the work. And living in the both and world, like that part of the work is saying like, yeah, I bought this Porsche and I understand that that is a capitalist thing, but I also wanted it. And I'm a, what did she say that I loved? She was like, and I'm, I'm going to rub my nipples all over the leather (laughs) seats because it's mine. (laughs) Yes. Oh, that's, it's about unlearning the, like, I just, there's this content creator. Her name is Leandra Yomo and she made a video. She's a dark skinned black woman. And she made a video like when we're talking about anti-racism, we need to talk about like black women specifically unlearning that as well. Like the idea that if there's multiple black women in a room, you're thinking, oh, OK, there can only be one of us. So I have to beat them out or um, kind of what you just said. It becomes so ingrained that it becomes your source of reason. It's like, oh, they won't like me because I'm black. Like and that's just automatically that just makes sense in your head and you keep moving. You don't even think too much about it. Like. Uh, like working on ourselves to unlearn everything because you're right we were all in this we were all in schools we were all taught the same level of white supremacy we said we all have to unlearn it yeah it's just that we didn't benefit from it some of us right so so yes all of those things and um so i'm i'm curious now you're uh you're getting your degree (laughs) um you're living in a world where you you know you're a musical theater which that's not what's happening. But I'm curious about the conversations that you're having and how, how is that impacting your life outside of being this podcast host, right? So what, what are you um, able to glean and how is it manifesting in other areas of your, of your work, your life, et cetera? Yeah, it's, I was thinking about this um, in a lot of ways, specifically like first like, talking about the podcast specifically, because I am, a very young black woman working on this project, like leading this project. And I have producers who are much older than me who have stable jobs and they're like trying to help steer me in the right direction. Um, Still like finding the authority within myself to say that, yes, I'm young. Yes, I'm this, this young, like not that educated black woman, but like I created this myself and I still like, I still have authority over it. And if I feel like something's not right, I still am able to say, that's not right. We shouldn't do that because it's my project. Um, and this is like working on this and talking to more and more people specifically because we've talked to a good amount of black artists and that's what I am. So watching them just talk about how they're so unapologetically themselves has helped me fight that. Um, specifically in my college, um, (laughs) I know my professors are tired of me. Um, I think I was much more radical than your average, like, because normally there's like two or three black people in a musical theater program and they kind of just try to like assimilate and just get through and live their lives and then they can go out and be whoever they want to be. But they're like, I just have to keep my head down and do whatever they tell me. I was not that 
at all from the beginning. If something felt right, didn't feel right, if it felt odd, I was always like, um, I'm uncomfortable. As one of the only black people in the room, I'm uncomfortable and I'm not gonna move forward until we talk about it. I think that's also because my mom is a social worker, so she always like encouraged me and my sister to speak up whenever we felt uncomfortable, regardless of what power we thought we had. Um, and so the, I also had a whole episode about like talking, kind of talking shit about my program. Um, and like talking about professors who have refused to listen to me and refused to listen to the other artists of color in my program and how it's, um, it can be traumatizing. And I had an episode talking to um, other black BFA students at top programs in the country. And we all talked about that. Um, and a lot of my professors have listened to the podcast, specifically that episode where I call them out. Um, and it's really created a space now where there's no assuming of how students feel. There's no, well, they're probably fine with it because they're very clear, at least me, um, at least me and my friends, because I'm also the president of the Black Theater Ensemble here. So like they know, like Elena is not going to like this. Elena is going to speak up publicly about this situation. And so we can't sweep it under the rug. Um, and so for me, at least, it's allowed me to get into rooms that I probably would not have been in prior. Like I shouldn't be able to talk to the dean on a random day about an issue that's bothering me. Like normally, like you have to go a couple steps before they let you talk to the dean, you know, talk to your department head, talk to the program head or something, and then maybe. Um, but it's allowed me to try to protect the students under me because I'm not someone, I don't care, especially now, like they can't do anything to me at this point. Um, so like, I don't care about me or how they feel about me or if they hate me and never write me a recommendation letter or something stupid. Like this is more protecting like the freshmen that just came in who were so excited to be here and they still don't know why they're being treated differently and it just happens to be that they're the only black kid in their program, you know? Like making sure that those kids know that they have a voice and that they are protected by someone in this program even after I graduate. Um, and knowing that they don't have to hide. I think a lot of times in like educational theater, um, professors don't let you say no in any situation. It's yes. And if it's not yes, then something might have, they might get like blacklisted or you might not do good in class or your teacher might not like you because you don't want to do this thing. Um, and so there's already like a stigma where students are afraid to say no, specifically in theatrical settings. Um, so this has impacted me because I've been teaching everyone around me. No, say no. No is allowed. No is an acceptable answer always. And if they have a problem with that, there are people you can go to. There are, for every professor here that you can't go to, there is another one you can. Um, so that's been really exciting for me as well. Also, like, in the ethereal existential world, of like, what am I going to be? What am I going to do with my life? I also am so much more relaxed with whatever I want to do because I've discovered that there are ways I can make impacts in the arts specifically. Um, that's not what, you know, the kids dream about, I guess. It's not like I don't want to be on Broadway. Like musical theater is not even something I plan on doing post-grad, um, specifically musical theater anyway. But it's shown me that there's so many more things I can do. Um, and there's, it shows me there are things I can do that I have control over. Like the thing about fourth wall is I have full control over it. It's mine. It's still related to theater. I'm still talking to like icons. Like one of my biggest theater icons is Michael Kilgore. And I got to interview him. Like, I don't even know how he said yes. I literally sent him an email that I found on Instagram. And I was like, hi, please. And he was like, all right. Um, but like, I'm getting to still learn and grow and enact change in something that I have full control control over. I didn't need my institution to get me to where I am. Um, there's this, this man made a beautiful video saying that in the theatrical space, you um, white people can rise all the way to the top without ever ha having to deal with a black person, but black people have to engage with white people to get success or to get whatever success means to you. You have to. There's there's not enough spaces where black people are all the way to the top, you know? Like, so at some point we have to interact with them, but this is a project where if I don't want to, I don't have to. It's something where I don't have to rely on someone who doesn't have my actual best interest to do what I want. Um, and I think having that like sense of authority over myself is great just because there's so many young actors who talk about like getting taken advantage of and things like that and just wanting to do anything they can just so they can get like their shot 
but like I'm not of that mindset. I'd rather be somewhere where I'm appreciated instead of being somewhere that like has a claim because I value myself more than that. And this podcast has like helped me find that value. I think just like the creation of it. Um, there's so many things inside of what you just said that I could respond to. Um, one, I, I, I I love how you talk about your producers being so much older than you and they're still yet (laughs) younger than me. So what, uh, um, all good, all good. I, I think that what I'm, what I'm most struck by what you said is, uh, that you have a, you have a platform that, uh, wields some, um, some, uh, uh, volume and the ability to create a uh, space for others to be able to use their voices as well. Um, I think that the fact that you're able to talk to some, you know, like big people within your, your university, as well as it, within the industry, um, also means that you are, you're hitting on something. I think that people understand, uh, need to be discussed and unearthed, um, which is really important. Um, I wondered if you knew about, uh, uh, black theater United. Uh, I I feel like I follow them on Instagram. Yeah. They're on Instagram (laughs) and Facebook. And, um, I'm hoping to have somebody, uh, on from there, but, uh, but they're doing some really interesting work. Um, or if you talk to anybody who is a part of creating the We See You White American Theater document. Um, I There's some people involved with that who are also involved with Broadway Advocacy Coalition. And I am in contact with some of those people, hopefully to do an interview soon. I, there's no dates on that one yet, but hopefully soon. Um, reaching out to those people and just trying to figure that out. Um, I'm also trying to talk to a lot of like... Um, I don't know. I don't want to say underground black initiatives, but just I find that specifically in Broadway, there's like the eight black Broadway icons that people know of that they kind of only listen to, even though there's so many other entities supporting the same thing. Um, so I'm really trying to find a way to like obviously connect with those people and but also try to find the more grassroots not as maybe they're not super popular maybe they don't have a ton of credits but they're still in the theater industry and they're still talking about these things that matter that's something i've been really actively pursuing i think right now that's 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 great i mean that's who i that's i guess that's where i was going was that it just sounds like one i i've been so i work in an arts education which is um generally for me it's more about like theater for young audiences and um k through 12 or pre-k through 12 um as opposed to the higher ed i do work in Mm -hmm. a higher ed but again it's sort of still aligned with the the main work that i do around arts education theater education so uh, I haven't been in a lot of spaces, um, but I have been to a few webinars focused specifically on um, MFA programs, conservatory programs, um, and how uh, how oppressive they can be to, to students um, and what kind of movement there is that's happening and not what movement mm-hmm. is not happening. And so yes. the, uh, the other piece of what I heard you just say that I find important is is that you are creating space for those to speak within the university, but also, you know, in order for there to be change on a professional level, we have to start at the university and the conservancy level because, you know, all those, those things, uh, uh, you know, they need to know the, the, the way this thing, this works, like all of that is based off of like a handful of people making it to Broadway, as opposed to thinking about, you know, the theater industry or theater or entertainment, like it's a much wider scope than, you know, celebrity or, you know, like Mm -hmm. it's, it's about a mindset about how we can be making one, just like on a very basic, like how we can be telling stories and how we can shift um, away from, you know, certain methodologies, acting me- methodologies or certain ways, strategies for making theater or uh, that is so hierarchical that there isn't space for new kinds of stories. Why are we always studying the same folks? And why aren't we studying? If we are doing history, we should always have 
um, you know, Lorraine Hansberry. We should always have August Wilson. We should all, but I don't believe that that's happening. Right. And, and that's for everyone, not just, you know, Oh, we're doing the black play this year. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I think that, you know, you have a very strong platform with the podcast, but you also unto yourself have a platform and that we can all be thinking about how, what power do we actually yield, whether they give it to us or not is, is the thing that I heard you say. Yeah. And I'm what you just said about like it being ingrained into the system, like not just saying, Oh, our professors are racist or something like that. But what you said, I'm required to know who Shakespeare is, who Chekhov is, who, Tennessee Williams is things like that. I'm required. There's like a list of like 20 white men who write plays that I have to know about in order to graduate. And none of these perfect one last week, somebody brought up Dominique Morisot and somebody was like, who is that? Yeah. What? Like, well, who is that? <gasps> what? But they're not required. They know of August Wilson. Cause every once in a while, like one of the black students will throw it out there for fun. But like, they are not required to learn or study about any black or not even just black um, person of color, artist of color in our entire industry. And our one of our buildings is named after Josefina Nigli, who is a Latinx playwright who passed away not super recently, but they she used to teach here and she's a Latinx playwright. And we literally don't talk about any Latinx plays or dive into any latinx artist in terms of any kind of study um anything i've done that's by a black playwright is when it's like pick your own monologue pick your own scene and then i if i have the opportunity to i will pick from them but we're not required and even something as small as like our stage makeup class nobody's taught how to do makeup for for brown skin they're not taught how to light for brown skin they're not taught how to do costuming and change the colors of your costumes to compliment black skin there's something they're not taught because our teachers don't know how to do that so how could they try to teach us and so we're instantly um i i talked about this is like how everyone i know that's graduated from a bfa or mfa program that's black they are either leaving their specific field of theater completely because they've been so disenchanted with whatever they've dealt with or everything they're doing from then on is in spite of their program or like none of it is due to them in like to them feeling included or supported there. It's like, they treated me like this, but I'm going to be better anyway. And that's how they succeed is like, despite not getting the respect or feeling included, like I should here, I'm going to still succeed and I'm going to still move forward. Um, and you don't think about little things like makeup or something until you're sitting in the dressing room and you're watching them go to every single person and do their hair themselves, like do everyone's hair. And then they like, look at you and they hand you a picture and they say, make it look like that. And then they leave you alone and they leave you to your own devices. Um, and it's so that's something I've been trying and my professors have been some of them have been trying um, in that respect to be like, OK, normally we would talk about Ibsen here, but instead we're going to talk about August Wilson or maybe we'll learn from a uh, like if we're doing like a choreo- like choreographing something, we'll talk about Debbie Allen instead of Andy Blankenbuehler or something like that. Um, they're trying, but it's still not in our curriculums, not mass spread and until we can do that and like start changing things like that in the shows we do. Um, like that's what I'm really interested in right now is like fighting those specific things. So I'm glad you brought that up cause it's real. And it like, not just like, it's not just that we don't know what we're doing post-grad, but it's like, we leave no, feeling it, it also it, or I'm, expecting to not be thought of. Yeah. It, 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 there's the invisibility piece. Like, well, that's that yeah. those plays barely get made or those, or, or all of a sudden it's black. Well, then you'll work for a black theater. What? That doesn't mean that we shouldn't be learning these things. And in fact, that's, that's literally the point that you could be, um, a mind shift is that we could be all learning this together as as opposed to just doing again, that status quo on that people mover. Mm -hmm. Um, so we're, we're winding down and I usually ask this question of, um, all the guests, it's a dreaming space. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to point you in any p- particular directions, but we've been very, very focused on the podcast slash um, your, your, your schooling. So uh, you can think about this from that perspective or wider. Um, uh, I like to dream and I'm curious about what, 
what we think, what you think a racially just and liberatory world looks like. Hmm. Okay. I think I'm going to try to describe it in like feelings, if this makes sense, like how I would feel about something. Um, like I want to be able to walk out of my apartment and not worry about how I'm dressed because somebody might assume I'm going to try to steal something. If I look too, if I'm wearing sweatpants and a sweatshirt, I don't like, I will, I don't want to have to think about those kinds of things or think of how I'm presenting myself. If I want to go running at night, I want to be able to do that without fear that something terrible could happen to me. Um, I want, I want to, I want a space where like my podcast is really irrelevant, you know, like where there's no, there's, there's no reason to have a podcast about discrimination in theater because there is none because you're talking to no one about nothing because it's not a thing anymore. It's not so commonplace that everyone can relate to it. Um, it it's a space where everyone feels, um, cause I'm big on consent as I've talked about today. Like everyone can feels the authority to say no in any situation regardless if they don't get the, if not thinking about whether or not they'll get the job or they'll be liked. Um, no is always a valid answer, a space where no one ever has to question that um, or be worried about it. Um, a space where theater actually looks like the society that we're in and not just like the one or two shows that have a good amount of black artists or a good amount of artists of color, but every single show looks like our society um and it's not created to be like the joke or it's not created to be the punchline or it's not it doesn't have to be noted that they're black or that they're different from the rest of the people they just are that because that's how humans are because there's a lot of different types of humans in the world so it makes sense that this play has all of them um also specifically like a place where we see more like able like able inclusive people like things like uh there's like i've been talking to uh the artistic director of deaf west theater and like creating a space where like we're seeing more deaf productions because there are deaf artists there are deaf people in the world seeing more people who are differently abled seeing people in wheelchairs seeing people with any kind of um i don't even want to call it a disability because i saw something that was like it's not a disability until you create a space where they can't exist normally until you don't have a ramp and you're building, then they're disabled because you've created, you've given them a place where they're starting from behind everyone else. Um, but having things like that where it's not even thought of, we're not questioning, Oh, like, is it weird to put someone in this role because it's different or something like that? Like having a theater that, Anyone, literally anyone, regardless of who they are, can tell the story. Because that's most, there's very few plays where you need a very specific person. Specifically plays that, like, stereotypically just have white people in them. Very few of them actually have to deal with the, like, being white. Unless it's, like, right now, like, the society standard of being white. Like, oh, I'm rich and I live in my own penthouse in New York. Like, maybe stereotypically you're white. But, like, <laughs> there's so many stories that anyone could tell. And just because it's normal for them to be played by a white person or for them to be played by a man or them to be played by anyone, um, then they can be. In. I also want to see more trans people and non-binary people in shows and they just be in the show and then not be like, here we are with our trans artist playing this role because we're so avant-garde. No, because... If this is a woman, so she can play any female character that she wants to. It doesn't matter that she's a trans woman. That does, like, literally does not matter. Um, so just a world where anyone can play any role they want to play with or any role they feel like they can identify with for any reason and it not be like a gimmick or not be like a shtick or something that people do. Like people can just do art and it's the only thing people are talking about is how moving it was or how great it was, or like how bad the lights were, or something like so irrelevant, you know? Like people don't have to talk about the one thing that they're using to sell tickets. I think that's a perfect world. Oh, uh, Elena, I, I, <laughs> I just love it. I love it. I love um, learning how you're looking at the world and, and wanting 
the world to look. I love it. Um, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today. Of course. Thank you. I'm sorry. I talk so much. No, no, it's great. It's great. Don't, don't (laughs) ever, ever apologize for talking too much. (laughs) You don't need to do that. But, uh, I, I, uh, not to be that weird. Like I just met you and, uh, uh, you're half my age and I see so much of myself in you. That is crazy but you're also like so much more put together than i was at your age girl let's not let's not jump to those conclusions let's not do that one Uh, um well thank you again for being a part of of this series we're in it we're in it now and thank you to everyone for watching Teaching Our Shoe with Courtney J. Body. Uh, this conversation and more will be on the audio platform. So subscribe to SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And Elena said it. I'm going to say it. We won't go back. We can't go back. Onwards. Thank you for listening to episode 36 of Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body. Elena Newell, leading with grace and joy. Join us next time for more conversations from the We Can't Go Back video series featuring Quinice Floyd and Kalia Davis. This podcast is edited and produced by Ben Weber, Christopher Totten is the creative content manager, Jonna Waldman wrote and performed the theme song, Tim Palin designed the logo. Visit us at www.teachingartistry.org and head to the pod shop at the top of the page for merch. Twitter us at TA underscore artistry. The gram at Teaching Artistry with CJB. And now on YouTube, check out the Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body channel and watch the latest video series, We Can't Go Back. Like our page on Facebook, listen to us on SoundCloud, subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts, and be sure to share this podcast with all the teaching artists in your life. (laughs) 